There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. An Erios production. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. Could be balding, bearded, shorter, tall, funny, smart, love basketball, gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm, sperm cast. Hey, <laughs> Patreon shout out time. Thank you, Molly, with an IE. You are my only new patron this week, so you are extra special. But also, thank you, Erica T., who gave me a really dope show of support on Venmo. Folks, you know the deal. You can support the show by subscribing to patreon.com forward slash spermcast, or you can send money via Venmo to molly-hockey. Okay, so, been thinking a lot about race this week, obviously. I hope you all have been, too. I'm sure you all have been. And I just want to call myself out on a big problem. In the two years that I've been doing this show, I have fallen way short on having guests of color. Like, very, very, very short. I've had one guest of color in season one when I was interviewing sperm donors. There is a gaping hole of perspective on my show. In general, I'm lazy about finding guests, and usually they just fall right into my lap at the last minute. Over the last two years, I've casually asked a couple black friends and a couple of other women of color I follow on Instagram to be guests, but nothing's ever panned out. I was lazy when I should have kept actively reaching out with a concerted effort to get that perspective. It's my responsibility to bring that perspective to the show, and I failed. So now I'm reaching out again privately, but I'm also wondering if you have any suggestions for guests of color who might have a story to share about fertility or infertility or wanting babies or absolutely not wanting babies, whatever. Send your suggestions my way. I'm happy to reach out to them myself, or if you want to put us in touch, that would be great also. Also, if you are a person of color and you want to talk about your story on the show, I would love to hear from you. So the best way to reach me is at my email, spermcast at gmail.com or dm me on my spermcast instagram what else well update wise it's monday and i have an appointment for my baseline ultrasound tomorrow that's exciting i did a covid test it was negative that's exciting i've been to five protests and i don't know how my clinic will react if they find out and i'm terrified that they're going to ask me and if they do i'm sure i won't be able to lie so i'll just tell them and then they'll say oh no girl you can't do a transfer if you're going to protest and i'll say but i wore two masks and glasses and i had my hair tied back and a hat on top and uh, and i carried hand sanitizer and i stripped down and showered the second i got home each time and they'll say sorry no come back later and i'll say fuck so that's exciting, the not knowing of whether or not I'll be able to do my transfer. Oh, God, I don't know what's going on anymore, but I'm doing my best, everybody. Okay, let's listen to the interview. Today, we're talking to a lovely couple from Indiana, Nick and Paige. They've been on a long journey to parenthood, and they've been documenting it on Instagram at Journey to Baby Davis and in their podcast called What the Family, WTF. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Paige and I have known each other since high school. We've been together since we were 16. Oh my goodness. We're 29. We got married in 2015. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, we probably waited about a year just to you know try and start to have kids. And we started trying and nothing was happening. We probably tried for, I don't know. What would you say? Six months? Yeah, I'd say about six months. Yeah. yeah. And then. And I'm too impatient to wait. <laughs> so <laughs> we just brought it up to my OB. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, you know, 
let's just check your blood work just to make sure there's nothing goofy going on. Then the doctor said, well, why doesn't, why doesn't Nick go get checked? You know, why don't we do a semen analysis? So I was like, okay. I was, that was not on my radar. Yeah. Like I didn't even know it was a thing really. So, yeah. and they were doing a blood te- blood test for you at the same time. Uh, yeah, she, che- she just wanted to check like a basic, like hormone type panel yeah. to make sure nothing. Cause I do have thyroid issues, but, mm-hmm. um, that was fine and nothing else. There was no red flags. Okay. So she thought maybe this would be a good step to check Nick out and see okay. what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I went and did that and that was wonderful. <laughs> so, fun? Uh, yeah, it was fun. Wow. What an experience. So, and then I got my results back and they said, Oh, we don't see anything. Stop it. Yeah. For real. Oh and my uh, but God. so not yeah, even like not even one dead not even ones, dead or, ones or not weird even dead looking ones, ones yeah ones. nothing nothing and I'm a healthy dude mm-hmm. like I'm young healthy oh and I'm like God. okay so so they said this they said well let's do one more sometimes <laughs> this might just be like a fluke thing maybe there's mm-hmm. something wrong here so I went and did a second one. And it was very fun again. Paige looks pissed. Yeah. It's just, it's awkward. There's no great way. And like, even if you, if they let you do it at home, if you live within like so many miles of where you need to take it, they'll let you do it at home, but then you have to drive like crazy and keep it warm and drop it off. That's what we did the first time. I did it at home the the first time. And then you got to like hurry up and get there because it's like time sensitive. Mm. So I did the the second time there at the clinic and it was the same results. I Mm -hmm. had a zero sperm count. Yeah. Wow. Nothing. 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 And I was like, what? I didn't know it was a thing. Like I, at least for me, Anytime I've heard of infertility, I in my head I just like think it's just like a a, a woman thing. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. bad to say, but like no, no, no. I think the, that happens with but, most people. It's because it's not your fault. But I, I just feel like all the stories, or anytime I've heard of infertility, you just always hear of mm-hmm. like a, a woman is dealing with it. I've never heard of a guy having, you know, low sperm count or like a motility issues or. Let alone a zero sperm count, like yeah. you know. I've well, never they heard don't of that. broadcast. That's yeah. why. And, well, and you know, you know, that's like infertility yeah. is just one of one of those things. Like, not a lot of people talk about it. Yeah, and it's and it's this kind of alone feeling. Mm-hmm. I, so yeah, well, I, thank God that you're talking about it. Yeah, you know? I've been I've been pretty vocal about it. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons we started the Instagram was just to like connect with other people. Yeah, good. And then yeah, and then we started we started the podcast just to share our story and just to, you know if we could share a story even if it helps like one person mm-hmm. that might be going through it and they're like oh my gosh I have a sperm count issue too and this guy has something going on oh man I thought I was alone because that's how I felt I was like what I had never heard of mm-hmm. a I have never heard of a guy having mm-hmm. a zero sperm count. So immediately I'm like, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. Right. And like, who else is going through something like this? So that's where our journey started. And it's just been. Well, I, I want to get to the bottom of what, why you didn't have um, any sperm in there. And that's something we'll probably never know. Yeah. We'll probably never. Yeah. So after, after that, I, I think I had blood tests. We were. We were recommended to a, a urologist that like specifically handles male fertility right. type stuff. And he was poked and prodded and samples mm. and surgery and surgery. Yeah. yeah. What was okay, the surgery? Okay, so we got we to lay, we oh, gotta lay okay. out the detail. <laughs> we got to lay out the detail. Because it sounds, it does sound like a lot. So yeah, we saw a specialist. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then I do all this lab work just to confirm that like, my testosterone is where it needs to be. There was, there were no indicators that I had like genetic issues or anything right. like that. There was nothing to indicate that this is the reason why I have a zero sperm count. He said, look, there's only really one way for me to, to know what's going on and we've got to go in and I need to do a, a testicular biopsy. <sighs> I need to see if there, if you have any sperm in there, you know, they had ruled out a, a blockage 
it wasn't a varicocele, which a varicocele is kind of like this, you know, like a blood vessel that would, I don't know if I'm explaining like a, it right. Like a vein, like a big vein that Maybe. sometimes if there's too many or if it's like wrapped around uh-huh. the sensitive areas, mm-hmm. it can cause too much like heat from the blood flow and that uh-huh. can kill some sperm off. So. So, so I didn't, I didn't have any of that going on. So he was just like, yeah, the only way for me to find out if you are making any is to go in. So we set the day up and then I had surgery and, uh, I woke up the, and well, the plan was if he did see anything, he would just take it out, freeze it, right. set it aside. Uh, okay, good. Yeah. That's cool. That way, if it yes. was there, might as well. Right. So I'm sitting in the waiting room, just waiting and he comes out and says, couldn't find anything. Unbelievable. <laughs> Un- I yeah. know. Unbelievable. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't find anything. And, um, I did, you know, I should mention that they did put me on Clomid also for what, like six, six months. They put me on Clomid just to see if they could, I don't know, this ramp things up. This was before the up. surgery or after? This was before the surgery. Mm-hmm. Yep. Clomid in women and men is used to stimulate the production of FSH. In women, FSH stimulates the growth of ovarian follicles, but in men, follicle-stimulating hormone acts on the Sertoli cells of the testes to stimulate sperm production or spermatogenesis. I was on on Clomid for like six months, and I think the only thing I really got from that was hot flashes. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I didn't know that it was something that men could take. Um, Yeah, Yeah, they do it. I'm learning a lot right now. I think it didn't work because you... It's for hormonal issues, mm-hmm. and yours were doing everything they were supposed to. I mean, we tried it just to try it because it was a recommendation, and it was something easy to do, mm-hmm. but I think that's why it didn't work. I'm just curious if there's a, a genetic aspect to it, but you, I know you said you don't know. Um, I think, isn't there something with Turner syndrome? And- yeah, yep. They, yeah, they ch- they check for they all sent, that. They sent a sample from your surgery to the genetic specialists. Okay. Mm-hmm. They said that came back fine. So it's a this mystery. Is, oh, <laughs> I it's wild, hate it's a mystery. This isn't I fair. Know. It's one of those things where like, I don't know if I'll ever know. It's That's a bummer. Crazy. Yeah, it is crazy mm-hmm. because it's just one of those things like completely blindsided by it. You yeah. know, it's just one of those, it's just one of those things where you, you never think about it. Mm-mm. And like, I didn't even know it was a thing. And then when you do find out, like, hey, the chances of you having kids are might be near impossible. And so, I mean, not saying there's a zero percent chance because crazy things happen all the time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So maybe one day I'll wake up and I will have this amazing sperm count. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, which would be sweet. Yeah, yeah. But um, is that called azospermia? So, so technically, they called it severe hypospermatogenesis. Okay. It's a very long mouthful, but... I don't know what okay, that means. Okay, that's good. That gives me something to look up. All right, so azospermia is the medical condition of a man whose semen contains no sperm. In humans, azospermia affects about 1% of the male population. So there are three types of azospermia. Pretesticular, testicular, posttesticular and unknown. So I guess there are four. <laughs> Pretesticular would mean the cause for azospermia would be attributed to a hormone imbalance, like too little FSH or LH or not enough testosterone. And these things are very treatable, or I think. Don't quote me on that. Okay, so testicular azospermia would be the result of abnormal, atrophic, or absent testes, which would severely, obviously, severely disturb or make absent sperm production. Causes for testicular failure include congenital issues, like in certain genetic conditions, or they could be caused by infection, surgery, trauma, or cancer, or radiation. And then there's post-testicular azospermia in which sperm are produced, but it's not ejaculated. The main cause is a physical obstruction of the post-testicular genital tracts. That's known as obstructive azospermia. Like, for instance, if the vas deferens was blocked or snipped, or it was just not there, like in some male carriers of cystic fibrosis, the sperm would have no way of getting out of the testicle and into the peen. 
Another potential obstruction could be a varicocele. A varicocele is an enlargement of the veins within the loose bag of skin that holds your testicles, aka your scrotum. A varicocele is similar to a varicose vein you might see in your leg, and varicoceles are a common cause of low sperm production and decreased sperm quality, which can cause infertility. But in a very severe case, it could cause zero sperm or azospermia. Now, Nick's diagnosis was severe hypospermatogenesis. Hypospermatogenesis, as far as I can tell, is just defined as the abnormal decreased production of spermatozoa. So I think that's just a form of unexplained azospermia. Oh, man. Yeah, man, someone has, to, someone has to have some answers, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, it's been probably a couple of years since I've had a semen analysis. And I mean, we, we haven't been safe. So, and we still haven't, and we still haven't gotten pregnant. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing I probably have the same results, but, um, I don't know. Mm. So after my surgery and, you know, we found out that like, Hey, this probably isn't going to happen. Then you start kind of looking at, okay, well, a, we know we want to have a family and it's really important to us. And how do we get there? I feel like we didn't waste very much time no. researching and moving on to the next step. I mean, we grieved it a little bit, but... Yeah, it sucked. It's, I mean, it still sucks. I, it does. It yeah. sucks a lot. Even you know, where we're at today, I it's still in the back of my mind. I mean, not only do you feel bad for yourself, but then you feel bad for your, you know, you feel bad for your significant other and the journey that you just have to go down with them and... You almost feel like it's your fault. Mm. And um, it's a tough one to get over. It really is. Yeah, You go through certain, at least for me, certain anxiety and, and other things. It's, it's really tough. I mean, I feel for anybody that, that goes through any sort of trouble with infertility. Mm-hmm. It's just a tough one to, to get through. No matter mm-hmm. where you are in your journey, it's just tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Paige, how were you feeling at this time? I'm sure you were saying it's not your fault. I mean, I'm guessing. Yeah, (laughs) right. Well, and, you know, one of the first things that his mom had said was, I hope your marriage can survive this. Oh, my. And To to, to both of you? Yeah, just because it's a huge, you know, Mm -hmm. can't have kids. Is that a deal breaker? But ultimately, I feel like you marry your spouse to have a life with them, not Mm -hmm. just to have kids with them. Mm -hmm. So it was never, I was never like, Oh, well you, you can't give me biological kids and then I can't do this. Right. Cause there's other ways around it. There always are. So, right. Because if you, you know, if you think about it, like when people get, people get married all the time and you don't know, Yeah, you don't know if you're going to, you don't know if you're going to be able to have kids until you start trying. Until you start, you don't you know don't until know. you start trying. Yeah. But that was never, we never thought like that back then. We just thought, no. we just assumed. Right. I just thought like, I just thought like, boom, let's start a family. No. <laughs> it definitely doesn't work that way, at least yeah. for some people. So you started, you started thinking about the other options. Mm-hmm. Yep. So obviously using a donor, that was the cheapest option, just doing like basic IUIs Mm -hmm. with donor. I always knew that that was out there and a thing. Didn't, I mean, we didn't know much about it until we came to the point where we actually had to start researching it. Yeah, We knew that was the cheapest route, but however, it was still difficult for you. It's tough. Well, you know, Molly, you know all about this. I do. I mean, yeah, but I want to hear from you, but yeah. No, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Like just the amount of research that goes into it and like, I'm looking at like different profiles and stuff. But to back up, even the idea of accepting it was hard for you at first. Super hard because like, I don't have a sperm count. Now I got to choose someone. (laughs) Right. Now you're just I mean, swimming in sperm. Yeah. 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 Oh, my yeah. God. So to know, That's yeah, like. the idea of the, the biological factor was hard. Yeah. For, not for me, for you. And that I is think hard. once we got yeah. over that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it also a shit show. It's, it's also interesting that you were completely, it's harder because you were so blindsided. Like mm-hmm. me yeah. going into my journey, knowing that I, that I had no idea what was going to happen. I knew that 
I don't know where I'm going to end up right now. And everything has been like an adjustment, but it's been sort of like easy steps, not easy, but Mm -hmm. steps along the way. Whereas for you, you went from I'm 26, 27 years old and I'm about to have a family to I'm not going to have a biological child of my own ever. That's a huge shift. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's tough. When you think about when you think about it that way, when you think about I'm not going to have a biological child myself, you get in this weird mindset, you know, at the mm-hmm. beginning of at the beginning of our journey, because I started thinking like, oh, my gosh, like you almost start thinking that like this is the end of me. Mm. I will never pass down mm-hmm. my genetics. But even though it's in the back of my head and it sucks, you get to a point where Genetics are not the only thing that you can pass down. You pass down your morals, your love, and all these these values mm-hmm. that you have, and you can pass that down to any child that you you know that you bring into your life to create your family. Yeah. So it's not all about the biology. Yeah, it's not all about mm-hmm. the biology. So. But you kind of come from a weird place in in the beginning, but it takes time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know just to kind of get to that good place, I guess. Yeah. But, now, before yeah. you move on, at what point did you start talking about it publicly or, or trying to find other people uh, in your same boat? Immediate, probably immediately I, I searched for uh, like male infertility support groups on oh, good. Facebook. Good. But here mm-hmm. was the thing that I found out about the male infertility support groups. They're all, at least for me, the ones that I joined – they were like all the wives of oh, these guys. No. Yeah. And so, and I'm kind of, you know, I talk to like everyone. And yeah. so, Good. so I'd see someone put something out there and I was like, Hey, how's it going? I've got the same issue as your husband. And I'm like, oh, why isn't he in here? Right. <laughs> and, uh, but they would get on there and, but I hardly noticed any guys in there. So, and I, and it's still kind of like that today. Wow. You, you'll get, you'll get a couple of them. I've had a couple of, a couple guys message me on Facebook, but I don't really, I don't really see them post in there and I get it. I mean, it's, it's a tough thing to talk mm-hmm. about when you're a well, dude. I know what that you know? sucks about humanity. Men are allowed to have feelings. Yeah. Well, they should. Good. They should. I'm upright and honest. I cried a lot, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I cried a lot. It sucked. Oh man. People should share their story. Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully I, you sharing yours makes other people more able to share their own. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, I found some support groups in the beginning, and then at some point I just felt like I need to connect with more people. And so that's when we just made the Instagram and then started the podcast just mm-hmm. to see if we could reach some more people. And I just feel like it's really important to share our story. Yeah. Can you and tell us what the name of, of the Instagram and the podcast are again? The Instagram is Journey to Baby Davis. Okay. The podcast is called uh, What the Family. Uh, I don't know if it makes. I, I don't know if it makes any sense. I it call it's like WTF. No, yeah, like makes when you're sense. Going in, I get it. Yeah, yeah. When you're going through infertility, man, it makes you want to say, you know, WTF. But uh, I love it. Okay, so where did I cut you guys off? Sperm no, banks. I, well, our our clinic had. They specifically gave us a list of specific ones oh. that they wanted us to choose from. Okay. So we just kind of looked them up. Obviously, you compare pricing, and it's not cheap. And I just remember we would get home from work, and we'd go down to the basement, get on the computer, and just sift through all these profiles and just read about their family history, listen to their audio interviews, and then... Yeah. We ordered a couple of vials to send right. to our fertility clinic. I, we didn't know. Some people spend crazy money and we just thought, well, let's just start off this route in case it works right away. We don't want to have a bunch left over. Right. So I think we did a total of six. Six vials? Mm-hmm. Or six IUIs. Okay. Yeah, six six IUIs with, with donor. Um, we used a couple different donors. The first donor that we used, the second try... Um, worked. We got a positive pregnancy, wow. um, but it turned into a chemical. Oh, man. So, yeah. yeah. And then we, we were like, oh, well, let's just order more from the same donor. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, he moved. He's not donating mm. anymore. No. So, 
Yeah, we just picked another one and tried again a few more times, and and it didn't didn't it didn't, didn't, it didn't work. work. It sucked. Yeah. So we kind of have a little bit of unexplained infertility as well, right? Because there's nothing wrong on my end, but it just wasn't working. So yeah, yeah. After the sixth one didn't work. Did we take a break? It's so it's kind of you know everything. There was it, a little bit of a break. Like a blur, yeah. yeah, there was. We, there was a short break in between the the chemical, but yeah, we kind of just rolled through. We just kept going. We just felt like we didn't want to waste any time, right. which is weird because we were young. But when you know what you want, you want it now. Right. Yeah. yeah. I know. When you're ready, you're all of a sudden you're ready. That's yeah. true. So yeah, we probably kind of took a short break. At that point, we met with our fertility doctor and said, okay, so, because through all these IUIs, I was only taking um, just like Clomid, like over the counter. I wasn't doing really any injections, anything crazy like that. So there wasn't really a need to, mm-hmm. there wasn't anything wrong on my end. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, you could, you know, we could bump it up and get some more medication in the mix. But of course the price goes up significantly. And, you know, she talked about embryo adoption. Um, At that point, before, before uh, talking about IVF? We talked about IVF too. It was kind of like a mixture okay. of what our other options were. Uh-huh. Um, so IVF was brought up, but again, she's like, I just don't think you guys are ready for that. I, I don't think we're there yet because there's nothing wrong. I think we should just keep trying, okay. maybe do more medicine. And I got where she was coming from. But, I, you know, IVF is 50-50. You just never know if it's going to work. And it's really expensive. And the same thing with the embryo donation. It's essentially, yes, it's not as expensive, but you still kind of have to go through the IVF process. So in the long term, it was still... And I hate that it's about money, Yeah, unfortunately. God, this stuff is just, you know, it's expensive. Yeah, and where we live, most insurances don't have any coverage for it so right um everything was out of pocket yeah so you got to get like creative and you got to have like garage sales and (laughs) sell stuff on ebay (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and uh yeah you just kind of got you got to get creative how you're gonna do it planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, But at that point, we had spent a lot of money yeah. And I know I shouldn't look at it that way, but we spent all that money and didn't get anywhere. Right. So the adoption thing just kind of rolled into it. That's always been in the back of our head, mm-hmm. but we, we tossed that up too. And that was surprisingly very easy for myself. I don't know about Nick, mm. but easy for me to let go of the idea of this. I want to be pregnant mm. thing, this mission to get pregnant. Did you um, in your life, was that something that you'd always thought about? I, I asked because I... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, my mom's adopted. Oh, okay. So we have other family members that are adopted. So it's not foreign to us. Um, and I'd always thought about that in the back of my head. Obviously, we were like, well, let's get pregnant and have our own kids first. Our biological children, I should say. That... uh wasn't coming very easy. So it wasn't super hard for me to let go. I mean, personally, I was already in that spot where like, you know, I can't have biological kids. So I can't, you, so does it matter if I have biological kids? (laughs) Yeah. So you end up in this place where it's kind of like, okay, well, what do we do now? And by then it's kind of like a break. We're not past that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we may go back to that at some point. It's not off the table. We just felt like it's time to let my body take a break. Mm-hmm. Even though I wasn't on any kind of crazy meds, it was still a lot to to go through all those and take the over-the-counter medication and 
I just felt like it was a good time to pause and maybe go into a new direction mm-hmm. of adoption. And we thought, if you know, I hate to bring the money part back into it, but you spend do. so much like on IVF, why yeah. not spend a little bit more and know that you're, you're going to get a child out of it. You just don't know how long it will take, but you know, you'll right. get a child out of it. So right after talking a lot, that's just kind of the route we, we yeah. thought we should go down. We were like, okay, well, let's see if we can start this adoption. And that was like a whole nother thing. Cause it's like, where do you start? So you, I, we just like, I got on Google and like, I sent some emails That's and like, I had trouble finding, you know, just like agencies. Yeah. I think I, I sent a bunch of emails out and uh, I really didn't get any back. Emails to the agencies? I just like churches that could help guide us or provide resources. Mm-hmm. I really didn't get anything back except for one church that was near us emailed back and said, hey, I don't have any any contacts of any agencies or anyone that we work with. But there is a lady that goes to church that knows someone that gives like talks about adoptions. Oh, okay. And, and she said, here's her number. And so I was like, I was like, okay. So <laughs> it took, yeah, it was a little awkward, but I sent her a text and I was just like, Hey, how's it going? This is Nick. And so I just kind of explained that we were interested in, uh, adoption and if she could maybe guide us in the right place. She was like, yeah, give me a call. And we had the most wonderful Mm -hmm. conversation in the parking lot, the gas station, as we were going to get some subway. Uh So we just kind of like hung out and talked to her for for like a good half hour. And uh, she recommended this adoption agency that was like a couple hours away from us. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's who we ended up contacting. It was kind of just like a whirlwind once we made the phone call. They're really? like, okay, yeah. They they <laughs> just kind of like, okay, well, here's the first step. And it was uh, like a seminar type thing that they require. We had to go there. And then they kind of just give like orientation on this is what adoption looks like. This is what it's going to look like going through our agency. Just laying out the framework, which was nice because I had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. Uh-huh. How long would you say it took? Between the time that we went to that first seminar and said, yep, sign us up, let's do this, before things really started rolling. Uh, a couple months? Yeah, probably a couple months. Yeah, yeah we had that like that intro class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably a couple months. And, you, and what did you learn at the intro class? Just like setting up your house in a way that's ready for a baby or just everything? Just kind of. So this agency specifically, they are geared more towards open adoption. Uh-huh. They will do closed adoption as well. So they kind of really set the framework for what that means because a lot of people just assume, you, you know, you, you get this child and then that's it. There's no contact with birth parents. And they primarily do, they match you with expectant moms. Uh-huh. So, you know, you follow the journey with them until they deliver. And then you still keep contact, but um, it's there's just ways to do it in a good way where they kind of set the, the, the ground rules and how that looks like and how you want it to look like. That's cool. Yeah. So at first, the open adoption thing, we weren't put off by it, but we just, it just was kind of strange because my mom, hers was closed. Okay. We never met her birth mom. So the openness was a little, I guess, interesting. Yeah, because it makes you think, well, not coming from that world, you, you kind of think like, okay, well, how do you navigate that relationship? Right. You know, what does that mean? You know, after, after the class and the, and the more you talk about it, it's such a positive thing to have for that child in their life to know who their birth mom yeah. and, and birth father. Uh, it kind of saves that as they get older and start wondering kind of phase. Cause every, I feel like every child if they know that they are adopted down the road, I feel like they're going to start, even though they love their parents very much. It's the, it's the wondering it's wanting to know where you biologically came from. Yeah. Right. The, the, the identity that comes with it for sure. It, it basically makes it just a normal thing from the get go for them. And for you as parents, isn't it a little comforting knowing where the kid comes from? Oh yeah. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. If you have questions about 
something that's going on with them. Yep. That's a huge, that's a huge plus in my eyes that you can do that. Yeah. Now how they set their, I don't want to say rules, but, um, but, but it is boundaries though. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can, it, it was ultimately up to us when we, you know, started getting further into the process, we, they had us, aside from type up four or five pages about all of us and our families and things like that, we kind of had to set like how often we would want to visit each year and um, how updates would look. Would it be once a month via text or um, FaceTime or mail? Wow, that's so interesting. It, it, yeah. And it's in that moment when you're setting that up, you're kind of like, well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't right. really know. You know, in that class, they shared a lot of stories with adoptive parents that they've already worked with and, and how good their relationship is with the birth mom. And they ended up, you know, a lot of them visit more often than they said they wanted to originally mm -hmm. because it's such a good relationship and they're they're comfortable with that. So when we were writing this up, we were like, I have no clue. So we just kind of, in our eyes at the time, picked what we thought was good. So, yeah. right. And what worked. Once you kind of, you know, start this adoption process, you're putting together your profile. You kind of, you know, you're answering all these questions and you're, you're writing stuff about each other. So the expectant mom, when she's looking for uh, a family, it's almost like everything about yeah. you. Not to cut you off. They make like a, a catalog about you essentially right. now. So it's let's display you for these these expectant moms to see and read about you and mm -hmm. look at your pictures because they are choosing us. We don't have any say so. I mean, I shouldn't say that. We do have say so if we don't feel like it's a good right. fit. But they right. work hard to make sure that that's already kind of going down the right road before you're even Approach, introduced yeah. or anything. Yes. So... So that was, that was fun. And that's weird to write about yourself. Yeah. It's very awkward. Yeah. Yeah. So we, he put, you put together this profile and then it goes live online. You know, they would probably have expectant moms like reach out to them and then they would present probably like a physical copy of our profile. Mm, yeah. Okay. I think that's how it majority goes is they have like a, like a booklet and then plan to meet with these people first, but you can, you can, any expectant mom, if they found their website, they could go on there and look under the families and just say, yep, I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. So we did the, we put together the profile and then what happened after that? The home study? Yeah. Yeah. The home study was, an, was another thing. What was that? It's like, well, you have this home study. They just kind of like, I don't know. They just want to make sure you don't have a giant hole in your floor that someone could fall through. Right. Through, I guess. You have working <laughs> plumbing. You have electricity. You have a safe house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fire. You know, fire extinguishers on on every floor. Yeah, that was um, a requirement. You almost think that, like, uh, oh my gosh, I got to clean the house. Right. I got to make sure we have all this stuff done. Right. You worried that they're going to judge you as bad parents. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You you feel like you have to have your house like in the most perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, that's not the case at all. But. I, they're not expecting you to like yeah. baby proof your house oh. at all. Okay. It's not like you have to have all the outlets covered, <laughs> but when we had our study, it was more of like a personal interview. Yeah. She spent more time asking us questions and looking at the house, which surprised me, but it worked out well, I think. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking back to it, I mean, some of the questions were, were like, do you have, do you have any siblings and do they live in the area? How often do you spend time with your family? What do you do on the weekends? Do you spend a lot of time with them on the weekends? And I guess they just kind of wanted to know like your, your family dynamic mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. So, but it takes like six weeks to get it approved. Uh -huh. I mean, it, it's, so you hurry up, they come and do everything, and then you wait a whole nother almost two months before they say, yep, you're approved. So then, you know, the last stage after you have that approval is to make you active is what they call it, where you're officially up on their website, your profile is ready to be viewed uh -huh. by expectant moms. So I think we had our home study in October, and then by December we were active. Okay. Yeah, and that's where it kind of you, – you hurry up and get all these things done, and then you just wait. Yeah. <laughs> it's a waiting game. Yeah. We got our first call. When was that? So they won't call us. They said, we're not going to call you unless, like, 
we think this is a really good match and it's looking really good and they will potentially want to meet you. Mm. So I think by the end of January, we had our first call and they're like, they actually live pretty local to you. So let's set up a dinner (laughs) and you can meet them. Yeah. You you can imagine how like nervous you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to meet this person. Yeah, we set up a, a time and met for dinner. Like at a restaurant? Yeah, yeah, at a restaurant. It's a little strange, but like, it's good that you do that for the expectant mom. I mean, it's, it's probably so good for her and probably really helps with her decision. Yeah. So, and you're there just to answer any questions that she has. And yeah. So, our, and our social worker was there to like help guide the situation. Oh, you know, okay. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not just like us and the expectant parents right. because you're already nervous. You you're know? nervous you, and you don't know these people. So to make conversation with complete strangers is... Yeah, it's like a, it's like an online date. Yes. Yeah. But way more intense. It Literally, was, that's how it felt. You, you can't prepare for that. It's, no, yeah. I was super nervous, but... But you just have to be yourself, right? Yeah, you just... That's the, th- that's the key. Uh, it, it just be yourself. So... The dinner went well, and then um, she, the expectant mom, ended up wanting to meet other potential families. Okay. She was doing June. She had time. So it wasn't like a no, but it, we just kind of like moved on. They continued showing our profile to other expectant moms. Okay. I mean, after that one, there was like another potential one. That came up about the same time, but there were a lot of potential legal issues regarding the birth father. Uh-huh. So it was one of those cases where, well, they could pick you and match. You could take the child home, but you there is a chance you'd have to give that child back to that birth father. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And we were excited about it, but also that scared us half to death. Yeah. So Because once I bring this baby home and I'm taking care of it, like that's... I can't. So yeah, you get too attached. Maybe. Yeah. And another thing they this agency, they don't like to have you meet more than one birth mom at a time. Okay. Just cuz it's not fair to them. They want, you know, they want you to kind of just stick with one at a time. So because we chose we ultimately chose to meet with that mom that we went to dinner uh-huh. with, they let that other uh birth mom meet her second choice. We were her first. So that was kind of heartbreaking. We were sad about that, but you can't really kind of claim all the birth moms yourself and not let it, you know, so it's, it's weird. It's a weird cycle, but. And it's just an adds on to your waiting. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So after that one, I feel like it kind of got quiet and then it was quiet you know, we started, for a little while. Yeah, and then we started rolling into all this coronavirus stuff. Oh my god! I mean, everyone knows how how that went. So I just feel like everything kind of got quiet. I mean, obviously, people are still having babies, right, right, but, right. but we didn't hear anything for a while. And then we got a call one day that said, "This uh, was in March." Yeah, this was in this was in March. That said that uh, this expectant mom in Tennessee liked our profile and uh, she would like to, to FaceTime us and uh, kind of have that just conversation over the phone. So we said, let's do it. And we set a date up, but it got canceled. Oh, no. Yeah. So she ended up ch- choosing a different family in another no. state. Uh-huh. I know. I'm a firm believer. What's meant to be is meant to be. Yeah. And uh, so it was a bummer. But there's a lot to going out of state, too, that you don't realize. And, and they were saying, you know, yes, it's going to be out of state and you're going to have to, I guess, per that state's law, we would have to stay for at least a week after the child's born before we can cross back over. Wow. And then you're going to have to pay double the attorney fees because they have to. <laughs> there was just a lot to it. And um, traveling during coronavirus. And traveling. Yep. But surprisingly, this having all these encounters, they said that that this is busy for us. Like we have, we have expecting adoptive parents that wait months before they hear anything. They could go almost a whole year and not have a phone call. So she's like, so it's a good thing, but it also is, it's bittersweet because you get all this action and then nothing's happened with it. So it's kind of heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah. So it just got quiet again uh, for a little while. And, um, do you want to tell, do you want to tell the story? Sure. So, so, so April rolls around. Um, I'm at work 
doing my normal thing, planning to come home and, you know, make dinner, do our normal routine. Well, I get a call. And at that time I was working. So I work in the healthcare field. Ah. So I was at the hospital working the hospital hours and I get a call from our agency and I'm like, oh, well, I'll just, I'll call her back in like 10 minutes. No big deal. Then I get a text message. Please call me ASAP. Like now, please. So I (laughs) run to the break room and it's our social, one of our social workers we had been working with. And she says, Hey, so I have a baby. He's already born. (gasps) The parents really like your profile. Can you call me so we can do like a three-way phone conference with them like now? And I'm like, oh my God, well, I'm at work. So she's like, well, you know, you don't necessarily have to run home if you can get Nick on the phone. So I'm calling him. Ten minutes go by. He's not answering his phone. And I know he's at home. Where could I be? (laughs) So I finally say, you know what? I'm wasting time calling him. I'm just going to drive home. I'm going to leave now. We're just going to go. I did something that I don't normally do. I got home from work. I I parked the truck and I just walked to the mailbox. I left my phone in the truck. Uh I was just going to get the mail. And as I was going to get the mail, the neighbor was outside. You know, she's waving her hands and she's like, hey, how's it going? I haven't talked to you in a while. Are you guys still working with all this stuff going on? And I was like, God, I haven't talked to her in a few months. And so, you know, I'm standing there for like 25 minutes and <laughs> Paige just kind of rolls in. I'm like, wow, she's home really early. Uh-huh. And uh, and then I see her kind of like waving her hands and I'm like, oh my God, who died? And so- <laughs> I'm like waving frantically, like, come on, like come inside right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure my neighbor thought I was a lunatic. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, she got out of the car and she was like, yeah, we've got to call the agency like now. So we went inside and we got on a conference call with our social worker and, uh, she just kind of reiterated what Paige just said, that this family really liked her profile and, uh, they would actually like to conference in on the call and talk to us if we were okay with that. And so that's what we did. Mind you, normally when you get matched or you're going to go meet with an expectant mom, there's like a little bit of prep time to like plan like what you're going to say. There was no planning whatsoever. So I had no idea what to expect. But the phone call went fantastic. We couldn't have asked for a better couple to speak with. And at the very end of the phone call, you know, they all hung up and then our social worker called back and said, okay, so come to the hospital tomorrow. Oh my God. So within 24 hours, we were <laughs> at the hospital with the baby. <laughs> oh my God. It was, it was crazy because like, you know, you're like, you're mentally prepared you've been doing it for so long. So you're just like, yeah, I know we're eventually we're going to yeah. adopt a baby and, and so, they warn you that these fall in your laps happen, but not very often. So, Did you have any of the stuff at home? Yes. Thankfully, we kind of, once we became active, we slowly just kind of accumulated some things Aww. just in case. Yeah. yeah. So we had, thankfully, a car seat mm-hmm. <laughs> all ready to go. But, you know, it's it was still scary because she hadn't signed her rights off yet. Yeah. So we were told just to go to the hospital, be there at a certain time. And then we got there and literally just waited in the car until we got the okay. Mm. And that was, that was a long wait, even though it was only like 30, 30, 45 minutes. We just were nervous about, is she going to change her mind? I don't know if this is too personal or too much information for them, but about them, but there were a couple, did they have a bunch of kids already and they couldn't have, they didn't want more? Is that too much? No, um, they were younger, um, a little bit younger than us. They're not married, they're just mm, oh, together. Okay, okay. I think he has a couple other kids from mm. previous. Mm-hmm. You know, that was kind of a hard part for me too, is still not fully knowing why they mm. wanted to go this route. We were told it was financially kind of an, a thing of that sort, but it was just also fast. We just never got the... Mm-hmm. gist of what made them. And I, and we didn't ask him when we talked on the phone. I didn't, you know, didn't want to go that route, okay. but they, they're very, yeah, they're very sweet. We couldn't ask for a better set of birth parents to be. Amazing. Yeah. We're so thrilled with how it all worked out. And even though it was fast. Okay. Can you tell me about your baby? 
Sure. <laughs> so he was, so by the time that next day we got to the hospital, he was already four days old. Oh um, my goodness. He was teeny tiny peanut, weighed 5'11". Oh my gosh. Just little. Very little. Born the day before my birthday, which <gasps> made it a little more special. Yes. And, um... God. He's just, he's super cute. He's got a little butt chin and some dimples. <laughs> yeah. Um, he has the cutest dimples when he smiles. Oh and big, gosh. big eyes. Mm-hmm. He's very cute. So. Okay. So what's, what's it like being a brand new parent? So like on day, day one, bringing the baby <laughs> home. I mean, are you guys freaking well, it, out? Or? I, I'll tell you this. I mean, when we got, when we got the call, I mean, we had like everything in the nursery pretty much ready. You know, we had a stack of diapers and what's I mean you name it we pretty much had everything you're mentally prepared that like it's going to happen but this happened so freaking fast yeah emotionally that kind of we were thrilled that this happened but and I don't think a lot of people talk about this but the postpartum factor I still feel like that hits even when you don't physically have the child interesting we were so thrilled to be home with him, but there were a lot of things, I guess, subconsciously for me mm-hmm. that kind of just appeared. Um, I had some anxiety issues of course, and I think, yeah. I think it was just adjusting and having to, you know, now you're, now you are literally in charge of taking care of this child and you had 24 hours notice and he's here and it's, you know, let's go. Yeah. So, so right. Much. It's been good though. It's been really good. We're figuring out a routine. We are adjusting. <laughs> so it's good. Did it's you good. name him or do the the bio parents? That's a really good question. Oh. So when we got the call from our social worker, he was already named by his birth parents and they said to our social worker that hey, it would be kind of cool if maybe they could incorporate that name somehow mm-hmm. not that we have to but that would be sweet and so yeah so we, he has two middle names yeah so we what's we his used name? what's his full name so his his full name is beckett milo james davis amazing and which one yeah. so the Milo the milo part came from his birth That's parents a cool name yeah, I mean, yeah. you. If, so, if it was something really strange, you could have been. I know. Like, oh, I'm sorry. like, <laughs> yeah. No, if it was really out there, yeah. I like, I would have just said I'm like sorry. Apple, like Apple or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of those people. Yeah. I'll probably so, name my kid something fruity, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely something environmental. <laughs> Ozone. <Yeah. laughs> Ozone. Please do, Molly. <laughs> Ozone sounds crazy. Yeah. So, so yeah, so we we ended up incorporating Milo as uh, as a middle name, and we thought it was cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy how everything happened. You know, Paige isn't Paige wasn't pregnant, so just right. mentally preparing that part of it. You know, one day you're just uh, returning home from work, and like we thought we were just you're going to do your normal life stuff, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> And it's like, hey, hey, right. how about tomorrow? <laughs> you know? Yeah. What did your so, neighbor so, you think? Know. Did your neighbor see you coming home with a baby all of a sudden? Well, okay. So <laughs> this, are, this is a good question too. So right as Paige pulled in, I was ending the conversation with, she was asking about the adoption. I said, I said, yeah, we're just okay. waiting. And I said, and I told her, I said, so if you see us with a car seat one day, that's like what's going on. She's like, okay. <laughs> and then literally as I ended mm-hmm. with that conversation, Paige pulled that's in. That's crazy. Man, it's just been such a wild ride. It really has. So. I'm just I'm just feeling so emotional just hearing it. I don't know why. I, I just feel overwhelmed with um, happiness for you guys. This thing is just wonderful. Thank you. I don't know why Thank I'm crying. You. <laughs> it's just been an emotional week. I think I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How crazy! Oh, Molly. <laughs> well, but you know, you think back to four years ago when we started all this, and you think like you're not going to get anywhere, and it's never going to happen, and it does, and it's it's. I feel like it worked the way it was supposed to. Yeah, um, we're supposed to be his parents, and. You know, it doesn't mean we're done yeah. with the fertility stuff, yeah. but we're pretty happy with him. So. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, to the people listening, if you're going through infertility, like, 
this took, I, I don't know, Paige just said, I, it was like four years to get to what just happened. Yeah. This adoption happened a month ago. <laughs> and so it's still super, yeah, it's, it's still so super new so to us. And, and I think back and I'm like, everything just seems like a blur, but you definitely don't forget when you're knee deep in shit. Yeah. And you know that it, you know, you have those moments where it sucks and you have an IUI where it's failed and you're like, let's do it again. And it's failed. And you're like, how am I going to afford this? And you work some overtime, you know, it sucks. And we know what it feels like. And, but you're going to get there. It happens. Yeah. It happens. And I really, I really feel that like it, it happens for people all the time. It's going to have a positive ending. No matter where you are in your journey, you're going to have the best ending. Well, not even ending. Let's make it a beginning. You you know? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it definitely happens. Yeah, it's good to hear. It's great. You did mention um, money and and those struggles. Do you mind if I ask what it ended up costing you to do the adoption? Sure. Yeah. So in total, it's about thirty four thousand, mm-hmm. and that was cheaper than other places that I had looked into. There were some places that wanted double. Granted, you don't, I mean, you're not putting it all, you're not spending all of that right away. There's different things that it goes towards. And those, I mean, all those girls at that agency, they work so hard yeah. in everything that they do. So I get where the money's going. And surprisingly, the attorney fees were just a very small fraction of all of that. Right. So right. I thought the attorney portion of it would be sky high. So we do have to add, spending that amount of money, there is... Uh, what do they call that? A federal tax credit yeah. of like, if you spend, I don't know the exact amount, it's like 13,000 something. If you spend that, you get the tax credit back. So you can take that. And so if you took out a loan, you can take your tax credit and put that towards your loan. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, we also did other things like we had a, we had a garage sale Mm-hmm. We baked cookies oh and we goodness. like sold cookies. We put in a, a t-shirt yeah, fundraiser. Yeah, we did a t-shirt oh fundraiser. Goodness. But you know, our garage sale, we put a little sign out there that said, "All proceeds go to funding our adoption." Oh. We had people stopping by that like didn't even want to buy anything. They just wanted. They would stop by and they would say, "Oh my god, we love what you're doing. My brother's adopted, oh. or we're we're doing foster care. We love this." And uh, we also did uh, the t-shirt fundraiser. Yeah. We did that, and um, but it's probably also been so rewarding for you guys sharing, being open about your experience, and because mm-hmm. you're of your openness, you are hearing from other people about their experiences. I, mm-hmm. I just think it's so great for your own mental health just to share these things. Yeah, absolutely, and that's a big reason why we made the Instagram and started the podcast just to. Even if it was only a couple of people listening, mm-hmm. just to kind of just be relatable, mm-hmm. because when this all started, we you feel like you're alone, mm-hmm. and you're not. There's so many people going through the same thing. There's a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there are man. There's a lot of people going through it. It's just no one really talks about it. So yeah. definitely don't feel like you're alone. Yeah, there's a ton of people that are willing to talk to you yeah. too. There's. I would encourage people you know, find these people in on Instagram, you know, hashtag infertility yeah. And, yeah. and hashtag, hashtag IVF. There are, there are thousands of people that are openly talking about their journey mm-hmm. and there's someone just like you. I can promise you that there's someone that's dealing with the same, the same issues and uh, you can definitely find them. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. But what a wild ride, What man. a wild ride. I'm so happy you've got your little baby Beckett. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. And is he with yeah. your parents right now? Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised you couldn't. I don't know if that picked up oh, at I all. Hear I heard him crying out there. Aww. Okay, that's good. <laughs> he's out there with my mom. Aww. So, yeah, he was crying a little bit. I but it. I think he's quiet now. Aww. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for telling me that story and uh, telling me yeah. this Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having you're us. Welcome. Yeah. This was so much fun, Molly. Yeah. We really appreciate Aww. this. Yeah. I'm just I'm so happy for you. So, really, thank, thank you, you so very much. Thank you very much. For- telling us all this story yeah thanks for having us very welcome so (laughs) see you later Bye. bye guys 
Well, heck, everybody, good things happening out there in the world. Thank you so much, Nick and Paige, for doing the podcast, and thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Thank you for subscribing, for being a patron, for sharing with your friends, for supporting the show with your dollars on Venmo, for, 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 for rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget, I'm here doing fertility consultations, here for you if you need an ear or a shoulder to cry on. Don't be afraid to reach out. And don't forget, if you have any suggestions for possible guests for the future, please send them my way. My email is spermcast at gmail.com. You can also DM me on my Instagram at spermcast. You can leave me a voicemail or message me at 323-741-1818. And I don't know who my guest is next week, but I am so excited for next week to come because over the course of this afternoon, thanks to the help of a listener, I have discovered the most insane coincidence and you're going to love it and I can't wait to share it with you. Okay, so tune in next week and get out there and protest. Read some books. Okay, bye. He could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall, funny, smart, love basketball, from gay, straight, black to white, tiny ass with an underbite, I just need sperm, sperm cast. An Erios production. Powered by Acast. 